If you have your Bible, take them and turn with me to Colossians chapter number three this morning. Colossians chapter number three. I had a great missions month. Uh, I wasn't here last week. We were in Kansas. Uh, my wife was uh, helping with a uh, ladies retreat up there and then had an opportunity to preach at a church there just north of Wichita. Uh, so it's great to be back home uh, here at Eagle Drive Baptist Church. Definitely miss being here uh, when we're not present. Uh, Colossians chapter three, we're continuing in our series our Thrive series that we started back in January. And what we're trying to do today is, uh, as we've done the past several months, is we're trying to discover our identity. And our identity should be fastened in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And as the title suggests, we're looking at the true reality of who we are. The true reality of who we are. We're not talking about split personalities or anything like that today. But we're looking at the true reality of who we are because in our world today, uh, there is a false reality, a false hope, a false definition of, of who people are. And that's what we're trying to do and we've been trying to do on Sunday mornings is to uh, obliterate the disguise of the world and try to show us who Jesus says we are in his word. And the, the term Christian is not just a term. It should be our identification. It should be uh, the essence of who we are. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we are confused at who we are. So I'm a Christian, and I I believe God, and I I believe that he saved me, and I believe that he he died on the cross for my sins. Well, that's good. But are we living our lives all-encompassing that Christ is in our lives, that Christ is all in all? Once you find your place in God's word, Colossians chapter 3, go ahead and stand with me if you would. We're going to read the first four verses this morning. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's all read verse 4 together. Ready? Begin. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. One more time. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with me this morning as as we continue this series, understanding that we were made for more and really tying this into our our, uh, identity series uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays. God, I pray that you'd help uh, myself and this church uh, full of individuals who I believe love you and have given their lives to you. I pray that you'd help them to realize who they are. And I pray that if there's someone here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, today might be the day that they realize that Jesus Christ is who they need in their life, that he is their sufficiency We're coming into Easter Sunday this coming week, and we're excited about that, and we're excited about what you've done on the cross, the finished work on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And Lord, we preach the message of the gospel today so that all will hear and that all will will receive the news. And and I pray that that if someone here does not know you, that today might be that day, Lord. But for the Christian that is here today, I pray that that you'd help them understand who they are in you. And that there is a true reality of who they are. And your word clearly tells us that. Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Again, we've been trying to discover our identity in Christ this past year, the past couple months. And 
trying to discover what it truly means to thrive. And in order to thrive, it's imperative to understand who we are. In one of Neil Anderson's books, Who I Am in Christ, he made this statement. Do we have that, Michael, that statement? Let's go ahead and pop that up on the screen. The statement was this. No individual can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way they perceive themselves to be. Leave that up there on the screen for just a minute. I want this to sink in because this is the premise of the message this morning. No individual can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way they perceive themselves to be. Let me try to explain that this morning. If you believe yourself to be something, a lot of times your behavior will follow suit. There's been a lot of times in our lives, and, and people in here, and just leave that on the screen for a few minutes, there's been a lot of times in our lives and people in here that have, that have struggled with things in your past. How many have ever struggled with something in your past? And it's very difficult to get beyond our past, is it not? It is. There's things in my life that it seems like my past just keeps coming up and resurfacing and in different areas and different ways, but here's what Neil Anderson is saying with this statement. If you have an identity as a thief, a gossiper, a, an addict, a blasphemer, or whatever it is that you see yourself as, that's how you'll behave. No matter how hard you try to change your behavior, eventually your actions, your behaviors will fall in line with who you believe yourself to be. Let me continue. So often our society is trying to lead us to change our behaviors. But I'm here to tell you that behavior change is not enough. You look in God's word over and over, and I think specifically of David. David had some behavioral patterns that weren't conducive to God's word. And I think specifically in Psalm chapter 51 and many of the Psalms, and we hit on this during our Sela series with David, but the thing that I realized in David's life is that David didn't try to change his behavior. What did David do? What did he try to change? His heart. You see, that's important. If you try to change your behaviors, it's not enough. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? Shouldn't I change my behavior? Yes. But what is most important is not your behavior, it's your heart. And a lot of times, we never get to the root of the issue. Well, uh, you know, for, for an addict, let's say someone has struggled with alcohol. Well, I'm going to remove alcohol in my life. I'm going to change my behavior. I'm not going to go to the bar. Okay, that, that's a good step, but that's not enough. You have to change your heart, and only Christ can change your heart. Now, stay with me here, because really, uh, the, the philosophy of the world has been so ingrained in our hearts and minds that we have a hard time understanding what is right and what is wrong, well, I'm going to try to give you God's word and help you understand truly what is right. Look, there must be a heart change. That's why David asked that God create a new heart in him. He wasn't going to get beyond some of the struggles by not going to certain places, not hanging out with certain people. That's, that's fine. He knew the only true change would be when he started changing his heart. When he started allowing God to change the inside, then the outside would come about. You see, if we try to change our behavior, then eventually our behaviors will line with our identity. The Apostle Paul has so much to say about our identity. And we hit on this in our Ephesians series on Wednesday night. And really, throughout many of his epistles, many of his letters to the churches, he talks about identity, identity in Christ, because this was a struggle in the world that he lived in. 
and it's still a struggle today in the world we live in. Our identity is vital to our Christian walk. It's vital to understanding who we are. It's so easy to allow our past to define us, is it not? Well, this is what I was, so this is what I am. But I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter what your past says. That's not how God sees you. And that's the most important thing of this message. And that's the most important thing going forward in our lives and in our churches. The world is saying, if this is how you were, if this is who you were, you will always be that. But God's word says differently. You see, if God gets a hold of your life, if God gets a hold of your heart, then who he makes you matters everything. That's what's most important. Not about your past, not about your failures, not about your shortcomings, not about society, as we said a few weeks ago. doesn't matter how others define you. What matters most is how Christ defines you. So our identity is vital to our Christian walk. It's vital to understanding who we are. It's so easy to fall back into behavioral problems because all we're trying to do is fix a symptom and not the root issue. It's easy to let our failures define us. Well, I've messed up so much, and I can't get over my past. I, I can't get over my failures. I was sharing this with for the mic the other day. In my office, uh, I had an opportunity to be a youth pastor for several years, and um, you know, I been, had an opportunity to counsel with many youth and teenagers, and really the struggle that teens have is the same struggle that, that many adults have as well. But I remember specifically some in my youth group there in Indiana that basically had already determined who they were going to be based on past mistakes. They'd already determined who they were going to be based on parental past mistakes. Basically saying, you know what, uh, this is who my mom and dad were, this is what they've done, this is what my sisters have done, my brother, so this is probably who I'm going to be. Now that happens a lot of times, does it not? But does it have to happen? No. But a lot of times we just fall into this, this trap that, you know what, because of this issue, because of this behavioral system, because of this behavioral problem, uh, because of my parents or my past or this, or whatever my upbringing, this is who I'm going to become. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to become that. God wants to do an amazing work in your life. He wants to change you, but you have to be willing to allow him to change you. And the truth is, you cannot get over your past. You can't get over your hurts. You can't get over your failures, your mistakes. You can't get beyond how others try to define you. But I'm here to tell you that you're so much more than your failures. You're so much more than your mistakes. You were made for more than how you see yourself, how society sees you. When your identity is in anything but Christ, the one who imputed his righteousness on you, the one who shed his blood for you, the one who gave you new meaning and purpose, then you're setting yourself up for failure. But when we see ourselves as Christ sees us, and not how we see ourselves, then and only then are we in a position to see real and lasting change. So the question determined this morning going forward is this. Do you see yourself as God sees you? Or do you see yourself as the world sees you? Again, we've been looking at this topic of understanding who we are and that we were made for more. 
This series is about understanding our who and the who that Christ sees me as. We live in a reality world today, do we not? (laughs) But the reality is that what we think is real isn't always real. You know, there's those reality TV shows, and really that's not really reality today. How many have ever uh, walked into one of those places with all the mirrors? You know what I'm talking about, where it kind of distorts the picture of who you are? Don't you love that? You know, you, you, you see some of these mirrors and like, wow, I'm a lot taller than what I thought I was, or I'm a lot thinner than what I thought I, I thought I am, or I'm a lot bigger, I'm a lot fatter than what I thought I am. What it does is it distorts your reality. Anybody have those mirrors in your house? I, probably, I didn't think so. Now, some people might have the opposite, you know, oh man, I'm very thin, I'm very tall, you know, this is, this is great. Uh, it, it distorts your reality, it distorts the picture of yourself. It's it's fun going in those places, but you know we can even do that today uh, with our phones. How many have one of those apps where you can kind of filter things? Anybody? Yeah, I think most of us have an app or even in our camera and the features where we can filter things about ourselves. So we, we take a picture and, and we make a filter of it and we, we distort it just a little bit and it kind of changes who we are. Well, I had uh, you know, our creative pastor, Michael Eaton, I had, I had him take some pictures of some people and, and kind of, you know, through an app, kind of filter who they are. So I'm going to have him show a couple of these today. And really, many of these are probably things that you've done in your life. So uh, let's see, we have a picture today of anything? Maybe, maybe not. Black, that's, okay, there it is. That is, who is that? Oh, that's Noah. Wait, oh yeah, that's Noah. I didn't know he had a beard. He's a be- he has a better beard than I have. That's, that's just insane. That was easy. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. I think that's supposed to be Michael Eaton. I think that's supposed to be Michael Eaton. All right, that's a great one right there. That looks like Mike Jones, doesn't it? Looks exactly like him. Uh, it kind of scares me with the Easter Bunny. Who else do we have here? Whoa. <laughs> nice hair there. I like that. That's Jordan. It is Jordan. Some people could tell, some people couldn't tell. What else do we have here? Oh! <laughs> now that's a beard. <laughs> Not really sure about that one. Uh, I think we have one of an older person, I think, don't we, in our church? Oh, man! What a dime. That is awesome. I think that's his profile picture on Facebook, actually. I didn't know his head was like that. And then I, I think we have one of what a lot of moms look like typically, right? Don't we? Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, do you have any more? I think that's it. So we, we can go on. Uh, just kind of a funny thing, but we've, we've, many of us have done that, right? We've taken a picture of ourselves, and we've filtered it through a lens, filtered it through an app, and kind of changed who we really are. Man, I love that picture of Brother Don. So I think we need to put that on your Facebook profile and... Uh, we're good to go. I mean, everyone, I think, just got a great great kick out of that for sure. But the thing is, those pictures, that's not who we are, right? That was not Mike Jones. He was not the Easter Bunny. My son Noah does not have a beard yet. If he does, then we've got to go see a doctor and see what's going on. He's only two. You know, Carrie has a beard, but it doesn't look like that. And Brother Don's head didn't look that, you know, round or short or whatever it was. And most moms maybe look like that, Krillitaville, but they don't look like that. The point I'm trying to make is that we're filtering something. That's not who we are. The filter was projecting back something that wasn't real. And so many people have based 
their lives on a perspective that you have of yourself or a perspective of what others have of yourself because we've allowed others to tell us who we are. And the sad thing is some people actually believe that. And you go through your life in response to that reality. Look at verse number four, chapter three in Colossians with me. I want you to notice these four or five words. It says, Christ who is our life. Why don't you say that with me? Christ who is our life. And we can take our, I'm not trying to change the wording here, but we can take that our and, and make it in turn your. So let's say that, Christ who is your life. Christ who is your life. Or Christ who is my life. Let's say that. Christ who is my life. Now that is important today. This is important in setting up everything else in this message. And, and let me reiterate something that I've said and will continue to say until Christ comes back. This life is not your life. This life is Jesus Christ. It belongs to him. The life that we live is not intended for us to live how we want, to do what we want. The life that we live is intended to do what he wants of us, to live how he wants us to live. And you might say, Pastor, I get it. You know what? I'm trying to live that way. Well, that's that's awesome. Well, let me encourage you to continue. But the reality is that there are some here today and some who aren't here that are searching for answers to their life in a world that offers a false sense of hope and reality. They're searching for their identity in a culture that blurs the truth. You're not going to find the truth out there. You'll find the truth speckled around, and you'll find some parts of the truth, but if you want to discover the truth of who you are, look no further than God's Word. Because God's Word gives us a clear definition of who we are. But it's so different than what the world says, so different than what the, my friends say or what the media says. I understand that. But the, here's the thing. As a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we must base our life on this book. This book must be our guide. If this book is not our guide, then what are we doing? What are we living for? Look, Jesus desires to live his life, his dreams, his hope, his futures through you. Here's the first and foremost principles this morning. Jesus is your life. Verse 4 again, when Christ who is our life, Jesus Christ is your life, you must understand that principle this morning, that this life does not belong to you. This life belongs to him. Turn back to Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse number 8. Paul is addressing the church at Colossae here, and he says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. There was a lot of problems in this society today, or in this society, that Paul was addressing. There were a lot of people that were following a philosophy of the world, and, and, he, and he hits on later in this passage, uh, you know, they were, they were searching in the stars to find their answers for life and, and finding hope, and there's nothing wrong with looking at the stars, because the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God, but the stars are not going to give you your meaning for life. Looking at the stars is not going to give you the answer to how you're supposed to live your day, but, but I follow a horoscope and I follow this and that. Why don't you just follow God's word? Right. 
That's more important than following a horoscope and following these stars and mysticisms and all these things. Paul, Paul talks about that later on. So he says, beware, he's warning the church here. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Now, there is nothing inherently wrong with tradition. What is wrong with tradition is when it supersedes God's word. And most traditions in our lives that we're following after are traditions of men and not after God. And that's one thing that we've tried to do away with at this church Nothing wrong with traditions, nothing wrong with doing things a certain way, but we're not going to follow traditions just for tradition's sake. We're going to most importantly make sure that we're following God's word, because that's what's most important. He continues on, in a sense, don't follow after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. So why are you following the world and not following Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is your life, Colossi. Jesus Christ is your life. Eagle Drive, not the world, not the culture, not your family, but whoa, whoa, what are you saying? Nothing wrong with being in the world, nothing wrong with having a family, but Jesus Christ should supersede all of that, should be above all of that. Continue on, verse number nine. For in him, who is the him? Jesus Christ. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And this is important, verse number 10. And ye are, what's that next word? Complete. Did you get that? You ever feel insignificant? You ever feel incomplete? Yes, many of us do. But Paul is clearly addressing to the church here. And he's addressing it for us today as well because we struggle with this. He's saying, in the world you are going to be incomplete. In the world you are going to be insufficient. But in Christ you are fully sufficient. In Christ, you are fully complete, verse 10, for in him, or sorry, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You see, here's the problem that Paul was dealing with that many of us are dealing with today. The world doesn't always ask us to remove Jesus and forsake him. They just want you to make Jesus a part of the new system. Basically, keep Jesus, but add everything else. And that's the problem with most of our churches today, most of the Christians that are in our churches today. I firmly believe that we have many believers in here. But I also firmly believe that we have many believers in here that haven't put Jesus in preeminence in their life. Because they have Jesus but they've added him to their portfolio, to everything else. Instead of Jesus and then everything else, it's everything else with Jesus. Because we, we, we treat him like a piece of the pie, as I've said before. He's not just a piece of the pie. He's the whole pie, right? It's not just adding him to our portfolio like we do with, with an IRA and trying to, trying to you know, move up our funds and different things like that. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus isn't just a part. He's all of it. So the world isn't always trying to get us to remove Jesus. Oh, you can keep your Jesus. That's fine. You can go to church whenever you want. That, that's fine. That's not a problem. But why don't you add this too? And the more we add of this and less of promoting Christ, 
what's going to happen? We're going to fall into the vain traditions of the world. We're going to believe the lies of the world. We're going to feel incomplete. We're going to feel insufficient. And don't raise your hand, but many of us in here have probably felt that way. The reason you feel that way is because Christ is not first and foremost in your life. He might have prominence, which means he's a big part of your life, but I'm here to tell you that prominence and preeminence are not the same words. Prominence and preeminence are not the same thing. Prominence, that's a big deal. Jesus is a big deal in my life. He saved me. He gave his life for me. That, that's huge. I go to church. I, I try to read my Bible. He's a, he's a prominent part in my life, but he is, a, is he a preeminent part in your life? Does he supersede everything else? But pastor, I have my career to think about. I have my family to think about. I have my values to think about. Where is Christ in the equation? But didn't he put me on this earth to do what I want? No, <laughs> he didn't. I don't like this message. Well, I don't either. And I don't know about you, but this, this series has hit me so hard because so often in my life, I just add Christ to everything else. And I wonder why I can't truly thrive in my life, in my Christian life. Well, why can't I thrive? It's because I don't understand who I am. It's not that I'm a pastor that makes me what I am. What makes me what I am is that I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying here, why would you follow after an empty philosophy when you have fullness in Christ? I want you to repeat something with me that I've said before. I don't belong to me. I belong to Christ. Let's say that together. I don't belong to me. I belong to Christ. One more time, just so we, we understand it. I don't belong to me. I belong to Christ. Do we believe it, though? I hope so, but I honestly fear many of us don't because I know in my life that I haven't always believed that because it's usually about what Chris Thorne wants and not about what Jesus Christ wants. But this is really going to benefit me. This is really going to benefit me. But what if Christ didn't want you to do that? You see, in Jesus, he is your life. And that's what Paul is addressing here uh, to the church at Colossae. He's saying this in chapter 2. He's saying this in chapter 3. Jesus Christ is your life. So if Jesus is your life, then understand this. You are complete in him. Did you get that? If Jesus is your life... You are complete in him. Everything you need in life, all the godliness you need, all the righteousness you need has already been entrusted to you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Everything you ever need is found in him, not out there. And if you're saved today, if you're in Christ, then we have access to everything we ever need for our future because of what Jesus Christ has already done. We talked a lot about this in Ephesians chapter 1 in our series on Wednesday night. I really want to encourage you to be here if you can for that series. It's really life-changing. But let me mention a couple things of, of what we are in Christ versus what we aren't in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, in Christ I am no longer part of the curse. In Christ I am blessed. Ephesians 1 4, 
In Christ, I am no longer a cast off. In Christ, I am chosen. Verse 5, in Christ, I am no longer an orphan. In Christ, I have been adopted. Verse 6, in Christ, I am no longer rejected. In Christ, I am now accepted. Verse 7, in Christ, I am no longer a slave. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 7, in Christ, I am no longer guilty. I am forgiven. He continues on talking about how we have wisdom and understanding and completion and, and inheritance. We're sealed. Jeremiah 31, 3, in Christ, I am no longer despised, but in Christ, I am loved. Romans 8, in Christ, I am not unrighteous. In Christ, I've been made the righteousness of God. Hebrews chapter 10, in Christ, I am not unholy. In Christ, I am holy because of what he's done on my behalf. Ephesians 6.10, in Christ, I am no longer weak, but in Christ, I am strong. 1 Corinthians 4.7, in Christ, we are no longer poor, but in Christ, we are rich. 2 Corinthians 4.2.14, in Christ, I am not a failure. Aren't you thankful for that? In Christ, I am not a failure. In Christ, we are now victorious. You should be getting excited about this, church. Colossians chapter 2, we are not inadequate, but in Christ, we are complete. 2 Corinthians 6.20, in Christ, I am not worthless. In Christ, we are valuable. 2 Corinthians 5, in Christ, we are not the same that we used to be. In Christ, we are new creatures. Romans 8.17, in Christ, we are no longer a nobody. In Christ, we are now a child of the King and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In Christ, you are complete. In Christ, he has given everything you ever need. So understand that. Sometimes I don't know why I preach. Because I don't live what I preach, and I know you don't live what I preach. Understand who you are. That's what matters the most. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what your career says. What matters is what Jesus Christ says in his word. Please get this. Please understand who you are in Christ because in Christ, he is going to change you. He is going to make you complete. He is going to satisfy you. The world will not satisfy, but Jesus Christ will satisfy because Jesus Christ is your life. Do you get that? He's my life. Why am I living for myself? Why do you live for yourself? We like to complain about everything. We like to, to judge other people and be critical of other things. We wonder why the world is in a mess. Well, it's because we're a mess. Because we don't understand who we are. We're living our life through a filtered lens. That's not reality. Everything I just mentioned, that's, that's your new identity. 
This is who you are at the moment you get saved and the moment you trust him as your savior. You no longer have to follow the pattern and philosophy of the world. And that's what Paul is saying in Colossians 2. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after new tradition of men. In Christ, he gives you an identity that is secure and fastened and rooted. So do you live your life in response to that reality? This is who he made you to be. If you're a Christian today, then understand that you were made for more, that you were made to thrive, but you cannot thrive when you don't understand who you are in Christ. There are many times I don't live my life in this response, but that doesn't change who I am in Christ. I get tired of hearing others and myself think things like, this is what's going to complete me that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you it's not going to complete you. It's not going to fulfill you. Move away and chase a career and chase a job and chase, chase family and friends. That's not going to complete you. Jesus Christ will complete you. He's everything you ever need and everything you'll ever need. When people are following after traditions and philosophies of this world, all it's showing me is that Jesus Christ does not have preeminence. He might have prominence, but he doesn't have preeminence. If you believe this, then respond to that reality. You are who God declares you to be in Christ. If you put your faith and trust in him. But today, if you haven't put your faith and trust in him, then you're not victorious. You haven't been made righteous. You haven't been made complete. But I'm here to tell you there's still time. There's still time to figure out and discover who you are. So if you're truly victorious, why don't we live in victory? Why don't we live victorious Christian lives instead of deflated Christian lives? In 1999, there was a homeless man named Thomas Martinez. He was 67 years old. He was sitting on the side of the road doing what he had done for many years, collecting pennies and scraps of food. That's who he was. He sat there, and all of a sudden, one day, from a distance, he saw a couple of police officers rushing toward him. Thinking that he had somehow gotten into major trouble, he started running from the police officers and was actually able to run away from them. In fact, no matter how hard the police officers tried, they could not find Thomas Martinez. They looked for months and months, and they could not find this guy. You might ask, well, why were they looking for him? You see, a couple months earlier, he had a family member who had passed away and it left him with a $6 million inheritance. There were some folks that had heard he was living out on the streets. The police officers were there coming to tell him that he was now going to inherit $6 million, but they never found him. That was in 1999, and as best anyone can tell, Thomas Martinez died living on the streets collecting pennies and scraps of food when in reality he was a multi-millionaire. In the spiritual realm, many Christians live the same way. We continue to live in spiritual poverty instead of enjoying the riches that we have in Christ. I can't imagine how God must feel when we live our lives chasing after dreams instead of chasing after him. We spend our lives searching for satisfaction and fulfillment when Christ is there saying, I have fulfillment. I have satisfaction. It's yours. 
I've already given you significance. I've already given you everything you need. I've already given you success. I've already given you triumph because of what your joint heir, your brother, Jesus Christ, has already done for you. The reality is that too many of us are looking for security and significance and satisfaction in all the wrong places. And the reality is that what we're doing is like Thomas Martinez, we're running away instead of running towards. Well, here comes the pastor again, spitting and yelling and getting all passionate about something that really doesn't mean anything. It means everything. Because at the end of the day, your life will be over one day. All that you've acquired, all the success, all the satisfaction, all the riches in this life will, will be gone. It'll be someone else's. Oh, you can give it to someone else, possibly, but it'll be someone else's. So why do we spend most of our lives chasing after a dream instead of chasing after Christ? But, but, but this is who I am. And I'm not telling you to sell your business. I'm not telling you to do that. God, God wants you to, to be successful, and, and, and he wants you to thrive. If, if you're following after him, and he will bless you with that, and you can use those resources for him. There's nothing wrong with that if you're doing it for him, if you've realized that Jesus is your life. But the true reality is that most of us have not realized that Jesus is our life because we're adding him to things instead of making him not just prominent but preeminent. We run away from the truth. We run away from Christ like Thomas instead of running towards him and realizing that what you or what Jesus has is what we need because Jesus is your life. Secondly, quickly, not only is Jesus your life, turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is your life. And secondly, Jesus is your hope. You are not your sin. You are not your failure. You are not your past. You are what God says you are. Your identity is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus is your hope. It's not your ability to change your future. It's not your ability to change who you are. It's not your ability to redefine yourself and give you a new name because he's already given you a new name. Jesus is your hope for satisfaction, for significance, for security, for success. Only in Christ can you experience these things that the world is longing for. Because he is your life and he is your hope. I heard this quote this week and I, I could not get over it. It blew me away. There's only one that gets to name you and that's the one who made you. Think about that. There's only one that gets to name you and that's the one that made you. Who made you? Jesus Christ. He is who gets to name you. He is who gets to tell you who you are. So understand that. Society did not make you. I made myself. No, you didn't make yourself at all. Jesus made you. So let him name you. 
I heard this quote, the hard work of the Christian life is to believe by faith Christ's declaration of who you are against every contrary voice and experience. The hard work of the Christian life is to believe by faith, and that is true. It is hard to believe by faith what Christ has declared for us in his word, that you are who he says you are. You know, we have an easier time listening to the news than we have listening to Jesus and his word. We believe the news to be true instead of believing what God's word says to be true. Who cares what the news says? Who cares what the politicians say? Who cares what the world says? Believe what Jesus Christ says. That's what matters. You know what's not reliable? Everything out there. You know what is reliable? God's word. Why is this so important? Let me go back to some of the things that Neil Anderson said. He said, the most important belief that we possess is a true knowledge of who God is. The second most important belief is who we are as children of God because we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves. What you do doesn't determine who you are. Get this. Who you are determines what you do. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. He says we don't serve God to gain his acceptance. We are accepted, so we serve God. We don't follow him to be loved. We are loved, so we follow him. It is not what we do that determines who we are. It is who we are that determines what we do. Did you get that? It's not what you do that determines who you are. That's what the world is saying. It's who you are that determines what you do. And who you are is who Christ has said you are. Jesus is your life. Jesus is your hope. If you don't understand who you are in Christ, then you'll never ultimately be conformed to the image of his son. You'll push hard and trying to achieve things through your own self-righteousness. You push hard with your values and motives, but give it enough time and your strength will fail. What we've been given in Christ, in a sense, is a blank check. If you were given a check, $5 million from Jeff Bezos, how many would cash that check? I would. He's the founder and CEO of Amazon. He's worth it. He's got like $151 billion to his name. So if I was given a check from Jeff Bezos for $5 million, I wouldn't think twice. I'd cash it. I wouldn't be like, you know what? I don't know if he's good for it. Now, if one of you gave me a check for $5 million, I'd be like, I don't think they're good for it. I'm pretty sure they're not. I'm pretty sure it's one of those April Fool's jokes. But if I were to get a check from him and he were to literally hand it to me, Chris, here's your check. But in reality, that's kind of what we've done with Christ because he's given us a blank check. He's told us who we are. Go to the bank and cash it. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just keep it here. Well, how can we enjoy the riches of Christ if we have never cashed the check? We live in a reality world with a distorted view of who we are, kind of like the pictures. But those pictures don't tell the real story. That's not who we are, is it? It's a false reality. It's a false representation of ourselves. 
Everything you need for satisfaction and success and significance and security is not found in the world. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is our life, is Christ your life today? If Christ is your life, then everything else will take shape. Everything he has given to you is yours to live how he wants you to live. So why are we living as a failure when we can live as a victor? Why do we live hopeless when Christ is our hope? Why do we live in bondage when Christ has set you free? Here's the message today. If Christ is your life, if Christ is your hope, then he is your identity. That's who you are. Christ, we're blessed, we're chosen, we're adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven. We have an inheritance, we're sealed, we're loved, we have righteousness, we're holy, we're strong, we're rich, we're victorious, we're complete, we're valuable, we're new creatures, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the true reality of who you are, so live like it. He is your life. He is your hope. Everything else is a false reality.